I think that it's uh, maybe very, very obvious that you and I are living at a time where there's a few tensions. Uh, and so I think that the thing that we as a community over the last month, as we've come together and we've, we, again, we want to pursue culturally relevant uh, mission, that, so that means that we have to acknowledge when, when times are a little bit strained, we ought to talk about that. We probably should have more conversation than what we do, but life is busy, and so if we need to get together, we can get together and have a cup of coffee and talk more. But uh, what I think just the bottom line is, uh, just the thing that I would really want to seed into our lives, seed into our beliefs, is that we are a community that wants to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I mean, that may seem like a really simple, silly thing, but... But the world that I live in, those that are following Jesus are not always committed to being a solution. (laughs) And sometimes we're causing part of the problem. So I just want our community just together that we can agree we want to be part of the solution. And as as we kind of started down this path, Noel started us down that path. And I've just tried to to attach, attach to that just three steps. Three things that we as a community can do that really benefit our neighbors, that really benefit uh, reducing the tensions in in our culture right now. So that's where we are. Uh, These things came across just across my desk this week. So just to underscore the need of reconciliation, you know, uh, we need reconciliation in the mission of the church. God wants us. To be a multi-ethnic church, God wants to rewire us so that we relate to the world around us and the people around us differently. And in order to do that, if we're going to be multicultural, there's going to be points of conflict, and that conflict has to be resolved. And when that conflict is resolved, that's reconciliation. And our lives are richer when we, when we come in contact with other people from other cultures. Our life is enriched. If you just fast forward in the future, in the age to come, where we're going, every tongue, every tribe, I mean, we're all going to be together in the end. We ought to start trying to be together now. So we need to learn how to reconcile. This political season is incredible. I I don't know in my life, I don't know, I'm not sure there's ever been one like this. And so this, this gentleman, Wayne Gruden, is he's a really a wonderful theologian, wrote a very good article. I thought this quote was just helpful because we, we need reconciliation as we travel through this political season. American citizens need patience with each other in this difficult political season. Close friends are inevitably going to, to make different decisions about the election. Yet we still need to respect each other. And thank God that we live in a democracy with freedom to differ about politics. And we need to keep talking with each other because democracies function best when thoughtful citizens can calmly and patiently dialogue about the reasons for their differences. I think that's one of the things that just really saddens me about that's not being modeled for us in the leadership of our country. And so we, we, we now have this, these polarized, and everybody's just yelling at each other. I don't know about I, I cannot stand watching the nightly news because everybody's just yelling at each other. 
Nobody's listening to each other. She's yelling at each other. Well, we don't, again, when you get in that kind of a tent, you've got to learn how do you reconcile that? How do you get back to being patient with each other? How do you get back to respecting each other? How does the church get back to really realizing, hey, it's good if every political perspective is, is represented in a community of people. That's good. We need that. Then reconciliation is needed in a multi-faith culture. I mean, I'm there. folks, the, we're not going to turn the tide of immigrants that are coming into America. As a matter of fact, that's part of our history. Look, I mean, look, my last, I'm Norwegian. And my, my forefathers came to the U.S. I mean, they went to Ellis Island. So I thought about, I reflected, that's just in mid-1800s. That's not that long ago. Why did they come here? They were looking for a better life. That's so much a part of what America stands for. And so there's just no way, again, reconciliation is going to be needed as people come. They're going to keep coming. And this, this, I thought, was an incredible thought. Every time we draw, every time we use religion to draw a line to keep people out, Jesus is with the people on the other side of the line. That is an incredibly insightful statement. And not to dilute, where, where Noel began this whole thing, I mean, we, we have some racial divides in our nation. We've had those for a long time. And if you just think about our history, you know, slave, the Emancipation Proclamation was in the 1860s. We didn't have the Civil Rights Movement until the 1960s. That's 100 years. And we're still working on resolution, reconciliation. So reconciliation is just something that you and I, I think, have been entrusted to. So it really comes down to, I think, what the Bible tells us is that the responsibility of reconciliation rests with us those that are following Jesus. Paul says it this way. So if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And all of this is from God. We can't ever forget that God is the one that is initiating. God is the one that's bringing change into his creation. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and notice, has given us the ministry of reconciliation God has given us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us so I truly believe that our world, when, it, when our world gets so out of sorts, maybe just keeping on our culture, maybe just, our, maybe just our neighborhood, I really believe that it falls upon our shoulders, people following Jesus. We have this grace. We've been reconciled to God. We've been reconciled to each other. And so then we get to give that away to other people. And if we don't learn how to do that, I'm not, I don't know of another source for that. So the steps that we're taking towards reconciliation are listening, healing, and today we're going to talk about confessing and forgiving. Reconciliation 
is found on the cross. Surely he has borne our infirmities, carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Flowing from the cross on one side is the healing of our wounds. On the other side is the forgiveness of our sins. And both of those are extremely important. Some of the tensions that we're living with having to do with the woundedness of our soul is that we, we need somebody to listen to our story. We need somebody to listen to our story. Please don't correct me. Please di- don't disagree with me. Just listen to my story. I have a painful story. I need you to listen to me. And sometimes that's all we need. We need somebody to listen without passing judgment, without trying to correct, without trying, well, that's your story, but this, my, oh, no, just listen. And I believe that Jesus taught us out of Mark 4, the capa- our, we have this capacity, this measure of listening to others if we want them to listen to us. Listening. Healing. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt. What? Who wrote that? Where would that come from? I mean, most of us carry around in our memory bank some words, some It's like a curse. And we struggle and we struggle and struggle to get over that because that's a wound. There are wounds to our soul, to our emotions that need to be healed. And sometimes if those aren't healed, we cannot extend forgiveness because we're still living in the bitterness, the hurt of those words. It's really important for us to experience healing. The healing of the cross. And then likewise, it's very important for us to come to a place of confession and forgiveness. All of that is found on the cross. I want to focus on the confession and the forgiveness today. And I'm going to go to 1 John. And I want to read you the preface of 1 John. I just want to... I just want to underscore something that I think is like, let's, ne- let's never forget this. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have, everybody say that word, heard. And what we have seen with our own eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning The word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testify to it and declare it to you. The eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. Heard, seen, looked at, touched, seen, seen, heard. What are those words communicating? (laughs) Folks, 
We're passing along this message to you because we experienced this person. Please do not let someone tell you that the New Testament is just this religious document. It's not. Look at the testimony of what is being written here. We're reading the story of people that are eyewitnesses that experienced the very person of God on the planet. And there is no other document like this. I mean, I respect other religious beliefs, but there's nothing else like this found in any other holy book. There's no other incarnation of God becoming a man. It's a unique to our faith. So please don't let anyone rob that from you or from us. This is amazing. This eyewitness account. So then when you, when you realize, wow, this is what these, these folks experienced, then what they're now going to say is based upon connection with this living God. So John goes on to write... This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him while we're walking in darkness, we lie and we do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The announcement that John wants us to receive first and foremost is God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. God illuminates. God is pure. God is right. We sang today God is good. There's no evil in God. So that's, that's the foundational statement that John is putting up there. And then he's recording now This is the truth. This is what we experienced. Now, you can have several responses to that. And he pairs those responses in three different ways as you travel down through the paragraph. The first response, if we say that we have fellowship with him, if we say that we have intimacy, koinonia, it's the word for the marital relationship. If we have that, if, we, if we're declaring that we have fellowship, which they just did in the preface, if we have this intimacy with God, and yet we're living our lives in darkness, secrets, lies, wrongdoing, we lie. We're living a lie. And we're not doing what's true. But we could respond opposite to that. If we walk in the light, if we're living in his light, as he himself is the light, 
We have fellowship with one another. Notice that. This close relationship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. That's one response. Second response. If we say we have not sinned, I've not sinned, I've not rebelled, I've not turned to my own way. We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Or we could if we confess our sins. He's faithful. He's just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then the final response. If we say that we have not sinned, I have not, I have not sinned, I'm not a rebel, I'm not creative, in no way. Well, John says we make God to be a liar. His word is not in us. Because, now we're back to where we began, because God is light. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. So I think what the invitation in this passage is, it is for us to have true relationship with the true God. And there's really only one way for us to have true relationship with the true God, and that way is to walk in His light. He is light. He's providing light. He's providing illumination. He's providing purity. He's inviting us to walk down a pathway that's good and right and just, holy, And if we walk down that, we have relationship, not just with him, but with each other. That's that's being reconciliation. So when I'm living right with God, I can live right with you. If I'm out of step with God, I can't live right with you. There's nothing, there's, there's really not, there's nothing in, there's nothing, there's no personal sin. It's all social sin. Anytime I, anytime I choose to be rebellious, anytime I choose to go my own way, it's going to affect you. And vice versa. So he says, I want you to walk in my light. I want you to have deep relationship with one another. And when you do that, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our rebellion. We're clean, morally and spiritually. He also says, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive. And he'll cleanse us. But we've got to confess. We've got to acknowledge, oh, I messed up. Now, I could go down the path and I'm going to stop because there's just this little stop, 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 stop. But on the national scene, man, we had a perfect setup for somebody. I'm going to confess my wrongdoing and that person didn't do it. It would have been incredible. That person would have said, I'm going to confess. If you're curious about what that is, we can talk later. Again, it's not modeled much. On the big stage, the big TV, the big stuff. But folks, if we can't confess when we're going the wrong direction, 
then we can't be reconciled. It just keeps dividing, keeps dividing. So we must come to a place of being able to confess our wrongdoing, whether it's present or whether it's past, so that we can move into forgiveness and cleansing. So this morning I'm inviting you to come to the table. And I'm inviting you to come to the table really on the basis of our forgiveness is found through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And this table is a remembrance of it. Remember me, my body broken for you. Remember me, my blood shed for you. Remember, I did this so that we could have relationship with one another. I did this so you could have relationship with one another. I did this so that there could be a reconciliation, a forgiveness of all trespasses, all wrongdoing, all rebellion forgiven in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. When we come to the table, I mean, there's, there's the, this reality of what Paul writes. I, I receive from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, you announce the benefits of the Lord's death. And one of the big benefits of the Lord's death is reconciliation. We are reconciled to God. We are reconciled to one another and we can be reconciled to the world around us through what Jesus has accomplished for us. So this morning I'm going to invite you to come to the table. And we come to the table. When you come, just gather around the table and you will get some bread and you'll get a cup. And then once you have the elements in your hand, what I want to encourage you to do is to get in groups of three to five and just kind of move to places wherever you're comfortable. You might want to sit in the chair. You might want to stand. You might want to sit on the floor. It doesn't matter. Just move. And then I'm going to put up, I'm going to put up three questions that I'd like you to have. I'd like you to talk to each other as you're sipping the wine and eating the bread and remembering Jesus. Those three questions are, Share your favorite story of Jesus forgiving a sinner. Answer this question. What is your current response to God as light? Walking in darkness? Walking in light? Walking in deception? God's just wrong. (laughs) We've never sinned. Asking it to be honest with another person. And then finally, this brings us back to reconciliation in our culture. What sins do we need to confess to our generation? So we like to make confession a private deal. I mean, some faiths make it very private. Little booth, guy on one side, you know. And that's... I mean, that's better than never confessing. But the way I read the Bible, sometimes there's like, confession is like public. It's like, okay, 
We, if we're going to ever change it, we're going to have to make it public. So that's why I'm asking. Well, there, there may be some things that we need to confess to our culture, to our generation, before reconciliation can happen. Okay, is that, does that make sense? Okay, just take a moment. Just pause. Let me prepare the elements and then invite you to the table, okay? On the night of his betrayal, Jesus took bread. And he broke that bread, giving thanks to his Father. Father, we thank you for just the incredible gift that you've provided for us through Jesus. We want to come to this table to remember Jesus and what he's accomplished to us. And we want to do that together. So again, I want to invite you to go to either table. Uh, take, your, take your own bread. Pour yourself your own cup of, of wine. And then get in groups of three to five around the room, and I'll put, well, the questions are already there. So once you're there, go ahead and carry on in your conversation, and towards the end, I'll say amen, okay?